Hello and welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Good food and a healthy life. Is that really possible? Leslie Klinky is an author, designer, health enthusiast, and voiceover artist living in the beautiful Los Angeles, California. Leslie's had her own struggles with food and her body and has ended her struggles as she lives a healthy life with good food. Leslie merged her love for art and health with her first book, Paleo Girl, which she proudly wrote, photographed, and designed. In this interview, Leslie and I will talk about her journey of transformation with her relationship with food and her body, as well as what's next for her. Leslie, hello and welcome to my show. Hi, Corinne. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here today, and I'm so excited because... We, you and I have kind of similar messages. We're trying to help people empower themselves and, um, and you know, be awesome in their own lives, right? right? And so I want to talk about, you know, uh, what your relationship prior, you know, now you've written Paleo Girl, but write what your relationship was with food prior to your transformation. It was awful. <laughs> it was really a bad relationship. I just looked at food as this thing that I had to eat and it was just going to make me fat. And most of the time it wasn't very enjoyable because I was eating really low fat, low calorie, basically starving myself. So it was just always this thing I had to think about. I was always hungry. It was always like a dirty thing really. And, um, I just looked at food. It's, it's making me fat. I didn't look at it like, Hey, this is going to nourish me. This is going to give me the things that I need. Like food is not the enemy. But early on, I didn't, I didn't have that mindset. And I would eat basically junk food that was being promoted to me as health food. So things like, you know, the frozen dinners and like 100 calorie packs and like veggie burgers and all of that stuff. And I would eat those things and feel miserable. And I didn't understand why. So I just had a really unhealthy relationship with food early on. What was kind of the programming that you had like in your, around your belief systems about weight and weight loss? I just thought, and I think sadly a lot of people still kind of think this way, that to lose weight, you just have to basically starve yourself. And for me, the reason why I wanted to lose weight was I thought that's what healthy meant. So I just wanted to get like the smallest number that I possibly could get on the scale and get the smallest gene size that I could, I could get. So I just you know, it was just really unhealthy. And I, I didn't really understand back then what I was doing. And, um, so I would basically, I would just eat about, uh, 1200 calories a day. So I would like, I, and I knew I could look at something and tell you how many calories were in that because I had done that for so long. And so I would just eat about 300 calories at each meal and have like 150 calories, calorie snacks in between. And that was just kind of my life. And, and I thought that it was normal because I knew so many other people that were eating that way as well. And where did this, where did these ideas come from? Like having to starve yourself in order to lose weight? Well, um, it's, it's funny that you asked that because I didn't really know where it came from for a long time. I actually had um, a success story that I wrote that was on Mark's Daily Apple and when I was writing it, like I really wanted to figure things out. I didn't just want to have this like generic story of like, oh yeah, I had these problems and then I fixed it. Like I really wanted to dig deep and look within myself and say, well, where did this problem start? And so I started digging into my past, going deeper and deeper. And finally I realized that the boyfriend that I had in high school was very influential on me. And um, I never had weight problems when I was in high school or when I was a kid, I was always pretty active, pretty healthy. But the boyfriend that I had had struggled with weight issues and he was a yo-yo dieter. And so, you know, you just kind of go along with things when you're young and impressionable and you're dating someone new. And so he would eat really healthy all week and I would, I would eat healthy with him or what I thought was healthy, which was really restricted eating. And then when the weekend came along, it was like, you know, screw this, let's, let's get a ton of junk food and like party. And so 
like that's where it all began. And that's where I started to uh, develop these really unhealthy habits with food. It was never anything that I was seeking out on my own. I just kind of happened upon it. And, and so it was just this vicious cycle of eating really low fat, low calorie, popping diet pills, working out like crazy, and then forgetting all of that during the weekend and then starting over again on Monday. So it's, so it sounds like it was your boyfriend. What did you also say? Like, I mean, you know, magazine covers, right? I mean, just standing at the grocery store, you get inundated with these messages. Right. It's, it's especially, I, I don't know if I noticed that stuff so much then I'm sure I did. Um, but now, especially since I'm just so aware of it, like I walk into the grocery store and it like, it breaks my heart. And it's really ironic because when you're checking out, all you see are tabloid and gossip magazines that have a bunch of celebrities or whoever that look at how fat she is or look how skinny she is. And then right across from the magazines are a bunch of candy. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, <laughs> it's so unfortunate because I sit there and I watch people like I really observe people when I go to the grocery, but it's like someone standing there like flipping through these magazines and then also grabbing like the discount candy. And it's like, I know they're struggling. I know that they, they don't want to be unhealthy or overweight, but it's just, it's just a really vicious cycle that our society has created. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, the dichotomy that goes on there, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's wonky. <laughs> so you had this programming, you essentially thought in order to lose weight, I need to starve myself. I totally, that totally resonates with me. And I remember just going, well, that is impossible. I need to eat. I'm an athlete, so I'm going to eat. So I went the other side way and became a wild child. But um, <laughs> so, so then what happened? Well, and you're lucky that you're an athlete. I was not athletic. Um, I, I went more of like the art route. So I was more inside being creative, like drawing, illustrating, painting, whatever. I wish I would have had that athletic background. That would have been really helpful. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it wasn't that way. And so I just never really, I never really knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was a swimmer, so swimmers tend to eat a lot and, you know, we, we've got all that pressure to carb load and stuff. Right. Um, but in, for me, weight wasn't an issue and probably cause at that point my hormones weren't messed up right. and, I, and I was growing and I was training a lot. And so it was fine. And it wasn't until I was done with my career and, and I continue to, um, neglect and abuse my body. Right. right? Because, and, and how I meant by abuse my body is one is just eating food because I quote deserved it. You know, that, <laughs> that third bowl of ice cream I deserved. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and then also not sleeping. Right. You know, so Huge. ruining my hormones right there yeah. and, and then, and creating a lot of stress and drama yeah. in my life. So yeah. my cortisol hormones are going crazy too. So all of that was kind of, I think the perfect storm for me. Right. But so for you though, you, you know, you went through this process and then what happened? Well, I was never kind of like you, I wasn't actually overweight in high school, but once I graduated and I was partying more, then I really did start to balloon up. And, um, so it was a vicious thing that went on and on for over a decade. Like it was a really long pattern. And, um, eventually, uh, I, like, I never really enjoyed eating meat too much. Mm -hmm. I was just, I was just such a carb fiend. Like mm -hmm. I just wanted carb and starch and, and sugar and all of that. And so I noticed, um, a week had gone by that I had not eaten any meat at all. And I was like, wow, like maybe I should consider being a vegetarian. Like they're healthy, they're skinny. So I, um, I became a vegetarian for about a year. And I mean, it, of course, it only made all of my problems worse. And, um, I did initially lose, um, some weight, maybe about 10 pounds or so when I made the transition, um, because I think initially I was a little more conscious of eating vegetables and, uh, you know, things that are considered to be healthier. But at one point, my yo-yo tendencies came back. And so then I went back into the cycle of not caring what I was eating, but I still remained vegetarian. So I was just eating nothing but vegetarian junk food. And um, that was pretty bad. I, it got to the point where I just, I was gaining a lot of weight. I felt miserable. I was always cold. And finally, I'm like, okay, this, this isn't right. I shouldn't be doing this. So I quit uh, being a vegetarian and very briefly went back on kind of the yo-yo thing until I discovered the primal lifestyle. And that's kind of when everything changed. 
I had a friend, um, I'm from Ohio, I live in LA right now. Uh, but when I was living in LA, I had a friend that was still back in Ohio that she kept posting stuff about eating all this fat and posting like these things of these cavemen. And I'm like, what is wrong with this girl? Like, what is she doing? And so um, I noticed that she really was losing weight and she seemed to be like really happy. And uh, I, I asked her about it. Finally, I took the bait and I'm like, okay, what's, what's this all about? Like, what are you doing? And then she, she told me about the primal blueprint, which is a book. And then um, she sent me over to Mark's daily apple to kind of just check out what Mark Sisson had been doing and what, what this lifestyle was all about. So I, I started reading everything I could. And like for the first time in my life, I was like, whoa, like this makes sense. Like it's not just starve yourself and be miserable. Like it's actually healthy and it's based off of ancestral health. Like it, there's a science to it. Like it makes sense. And it's actually so much easier. Like just, just live like our ancestors did 10,000 years ago because they weren't overweight. They didn't have all these illnesses and problems and, and they're happy. So I thought that was excellent. And I told my other friend, I had a, a friend out here, Liz, um, that her and I, we were yo-yo dieters together. Like we would start one crash diet after another with each other. We would always be like accountability buddies, like workout, workout, workout. And so when I told her about this lifestyle, like her light bulb went off too. And she's like, oh my, like, this is it. This is going to be like the thing that, that changes everything. So we, um, that next week we decided to start doing this and, and we just kind of dove right on in. And ironically, she saw job posting that week for the company Primal Blueprint and she got a job and she, she works there to this day. So it's like really serendipitous how everything came together. <laughs> and so you brought up something about the paleo or the, you know, the ancestry life. One of the um, comments that people will argue against it is that our ancestors didn't live as long as we do. What do you have to say to that? Well, of course they didn't. They were getting chased down by wild animals. Like, <laughs> come on. Like if there were wild animals running around here, we wouldn't be living as long either. So yeah, I, I, I understand that. And they had a lot more uh, problems that they had to face than we did. Like life was not guaranteed for them. I mean, it's not guaranteed for anyone, but they didn't have the same sense of safety that we do today. And like, we can go out there and make stupid mistakes, like really ridiculous mistakes. I could go outside, fall down, break my leg and I'll be fine because someone will come rescue me. Modern science will, you know, fix my leg. I'll be fine. I'll have people that look out for me and, and everything will be okay. And it'll just, it'll heal and I'll move on where if that happened 10,000 years ago, like you're, you're out of luck. Like you're going to get eaten. You're going to starve. Like you're going to be abandoned. Like there's a lot of problems that, that they had to deal with. Our ancestors had to deal with back then that it's not even on our radar today. And then now with this primal lifestyle, do you feel that you're a restricted eater now? Not at all. I feel like I eat so much more food than I ever did before. Um, I know like when I first started, it was kind of intimidating because the way I ate before I ate a lot of, you know, whole wheat bread, pasta, rice, all of that kind of stuff. And that was just kind of what I was used to. So when I knew that I couldn't eat all of those things, I was just kind of like, wow, what's left? Like, I'm, I'm going to starve to death. Like, is, <laughs> is that how you lose weight on this diet? Like it didn't make any sense to me. Um, so it wasn't, I'm not going to say that it was the absolute easiest transition. Um, it, it took some time to figure things out. You kind of have to re-educate yourself to know like, oh, these are the things I can cook with, with and this is what I can do. Um, when I started, I did eat a little more paleo junk food than I do now because I was so used to having these certain things like breads or pizzas or whatever. And you can make all of that stuff with ingredients that are primal approved. So I did kind of eat a little bit more of that early on. And then as my taste buds changed and I just kind of learned more about how to cook different items and always discovering new produce and different meats and stuff, then I just really was opened up to a whole new world of so many different flavors and just amazing dishes that I had never before considered eating. So I, food's like a non-issue to me at this point. Like I don't stress about it. I don't sit here and think about it all day. Like I'll be excited for it because I know what I have like sitting in the fridge that like I'm amped to eat it. But like 
it's not this thing where I feel restricted because I feel like I'm eating a more variety of foods than I ever have in my entire life. How so? Um, I think that maybe I just wasn't so open-minded back in the day. Also, everything that I was eating was so highly processed that like my taste buds were fried. Like I didn't really understand what I was eating when I ate it. Like I, I would just, it all kind of taste the same or it would taste a certain way that I would expect. And like now, now that I eat whole foods, I eat real meat, not processed junk. I eat real vegetables, not processed, frozen, weird stuff, like all really natural, awesome food. And it, it just tastes amazing. And you just get excited to try different recipes and try different things. And, um, you know, I still keep it really simple. It doesn't mean that I make these extravagant dishes every day and I spend hours in the kitchen. Like, I mean, I, I whipped up breakfast this morning in like minutes, you know, so it's not like sometimes people see like on my Instagram or other people's Instagrams that are in this whole paleo foodie realm, like they'll see all these crazy recipes and people on the outside will think, oh, wow, I, I could never be paleo because I can't cook like that or I don't have the time to cook all of those things. And that's not the case at all. Like I'll share the really cool stuff that I make sometimes to be like, hey, look, this is paleo. Isn't this crazy? But more often than not, like I just whip up some meat and veggies really quick and, and that's it. Super simple. So Leslie, do you mind sharing with us kind of like what a typical day of food is for you, like the different meals? Sure. Um, usually uh, for breakfast, uh, I always have some type of eggs. Um, sometimes it'll be like I'll have over easy eggs and bacon or add some avocado. Today I had um, two scrambled eggs with sauteed mushrooms and kale that I sauteed in butter, like super easy, really quick. <clears throat> um, lunch, honestly, lunch is usually something that's been left over from dinner the day prior. So for example, for dinner, I made a bunch of burgers yesterday. And so I just made an extra one so that I knew I could have that for lunch the next day. I like to make things really easy. So I typically try to like cook in bulk so that, you know, the next day or even the day after that, like I've got something like really easy to grab. Um, but I eat a lot of beef. I love steak and burgers. Like that's my jam. Um, I love chicken legs. I like to fry them on the grill. Um, or I guess I would say grill them on the grill. Um, but like leave the skin on. If you get good quality organic chicken, you can leave that skin on and it's actually really good for you. You need that healthy fat. Um, and I just eat a lot of vegetables. Um, I like to try different things all the time because a lot of times I'll have no idea what something tastes like. And I'm like, well, that's, that's silly. Like I should know what that tastes like. So I always try to like buy like a new produce item when I can, like either at the grocery or like the farmer's markets, you can find a lot of like interesting produce. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I do. I eat, um, I try to limit the amount of fruit that I eat um, because at the end of the day, there is still sugar in fruit and I try to keep my insulin levels as steady as I can. Um, but I will eat basically whatever's in season. So I think that's a really good way to kind of choose what you're going to eat. Cause if it's, if it's in season, you know that you're getting it locally, you know that it's fresh, you know that it's going to be higher in nutrients. So, um, yeah, just get whatever's, whatever's in season, especially in Southern California. I went for a walk yesterday and picked a, a pomegranate off the tree. <laughs> like it's awesome. I know not everyone has that luxury, but, um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, dairy is something that it kind of depends. Um, the like really hardcore, like paleo people will say, no, 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 you shouldn't eat dairy. Um, but then there's people in the primal community that say, yeah, like if you can tolerate dairy, like it's an excellent source of fat and other um, vitamins and minerals, like why not? So um, for me, I actually, I cut it out for a long time. Well, not that long, I guess it was a couple of weeks. It felt like a long time because I used to love dairy. Um, I cut it out for a while and then reintroduced it just to see if there was like any difference. And at that time, this was early on when I first started Primal, um, I didn't really see a difference. So I thought, ah, I can tolerate dairy. I'll just leave it in my diet. And then um, more recently, uh, like this past year, I decided I had to try this little experiment again because I felt like I was having more skin problems than usual. And I've usually have pretty clear skin, but I was kind of breaking out a lot more. 
And I knew other people that when they ate dairy, they would break out. So I'm like, that's interesting because I always just thought when people say, oh, I can or I can't tolerate dairy, that that meant like stomach issues. And I never thought beyond that. So I cut dairy out fully and my skin was flawless, like perfect, perfect skin. And then I was like, well, let's see if I can, if I can have some dairy and not break out. So I would have like maybe a little bit of cheese and I was fine. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe I can have some more. So then I would eat a little more. And then that's when I broke out. So moral of the story, I learned that I can have a little bit of dairy in moderation, but I really only will have it like maybe once a month. Well, when I talk with like my weight loss clients, one of the things that I we talk about is what is the appropriate dosage for your body? You know, what can right. your body handle versus somebody else? It's not. And, and that's what it sounds like for you is that you figured out a little bit of dairy works for you, but if you have too much, your, your body doesn't like it. Right. And right. then there's these conditions that come out from it. Absolutely. And I mean, something that I always say to people, it's like, you can sit there and you can read like statistics or facts and this and that on what you should and shouldn't eat and why you should or shouldn't eat those things. But at the end of the day, like everyone's chemistry is completely different. And if something works for one person, it doesn't mean that's going to work for me. So I really try to encourage people to like treat your body like a science experiment, like figure out what works and what doesn't, because you're not going to know unless you try. So that's just kind of, that's the way I look at things. No, I love that. And that's what we talk about too, is, you know, testing things out, but doing it from a place because it sounds like even when you, you know, take something out, you're not eliminating it from that diet mentality of scarcity of, I have to do it this way and it sucks, but I have to, if I want to get the end result, but it's like, Hey, I don't know what the answer is. I'm going to be this experiment. I'm not going to be biased one way or the other. And I'm going to see what happens, which doesn't feel so, um, uh, clingy. Is that, right. do, do you notice that? It's just like, totally. okay, I can have it in another couple of weeks. Let me see what happens when I re-enter it into my system. Right. And I mean, I really kind of look at things that way, like where it's not like, no, I never get to have dairy again ever. It's like, I know I can have it. If I wanted to eat a ton of dairy every day, there's nothing that's really stopping me. At the end of the day, I'm choosing to have nice skin. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't feel like, I'm being deprived of it because if I want it, I can have it. It's just a choice that I have to make. And that's what people need to really understand that every time you sit down to eat a meal, you're making a choice. Do you want to be full of energy and feel good and, and have clear skin or sleep well or whatever, or do you want to have a bad reaction? It's everybody gets to make that choice every day, multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. And for people like, you know, they may say, you know what, the skin thing's worth it. I like milk too much and I don't care. Yeah. Right. And that that would be a choice. And, Absolutely. And and that's really important for people to realize that these are choices. It's not you have to adopt this all 100 percent fully. It's about what works for your body. Right. What works for you. Right. Absolutely. I love that message. Um. So, OK, so you don't feel like you're a restricted eater. Now, here's my next question, because when you were talking about how you ate before, it sounded like kind of very low fat and low calories. Yeah. And so how did you go about with this? I mean, did it like, was your brain kind of hurting when you're going, I'm going to be eating fat? <laughs> it was so crazy. Like something that I had become so afraid of and like sworn off for so long. Now suddenly I can eat it. Like, I remember saying to my husband, like, uh, like what, what are we doing? Like, is, are we going to get really fat? Like what's going to happen? Are we going to have a heart attack? Like, I don't know what's going to happen with this. And honestly, like I was in such a bad place at that time that I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, let's just go for it and see what happens. Um, but I had read a lot. I had watched a lot of documentaries. Um, I'd really kind of educated myself on the topic. So I felt like it had worked for so many other people that, that surely it had to in some way work for me. So I had that little bit of like comfort there. But I remember eating real butter for the first time and like, probably my entire life. And I was like, Oh God, this is so good. <laughs> and, and the beauty of, of, you know, reintroducing healthy fats. It's like, I, I ate my first meal and I'm like the first time in a long time. I was like, wow, like I'm full. Like I, I I'm satisfied. I, I'm not sitting here now thinking about, well, what am I going to eat next? Or when is my next meal? Like I was satisfied. And then I could like, 
go live my life. <laughs> so it was, it was definitely uh, hard mentally to transition into it. But once I started eating those things and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And it wasn't scary after that. Well, and, and I think because, you know, it probably sounds like when you're trying to eat 1200 calories a day, right? It was, okay, this is all that I can eat. And it's not satisfying. And I'm not done. Probably food didn't taste very good to begin with. Right. Um, so she was one of those package meals. And it was like, oh, okay, well, the next time I get to eat and that, you know, where you spend that whole day, all you do is think about eating food. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And, and do you spend all day thinking about food now? I don't. <laughs> I actually will forget to eat a lot of times because I just, my stomach doesn't growl. Like I just don't get hungry. I stay satisfied for a very, very long time. So it's actually really awesome. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, whenever I do want to eat, then it is exciting because I know that I'm going to eat awesome food and then again, be satisfied. And, and there's something about like giving your body like nutrients that are, it's going to make you thrive. Like that's pretty cool. Like once you actually like get into that mindset of it and you start to feel the effects of that, like it's really exciting to say, how healthy can I make this meal? Like how many nutrients can I squeeze into this? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I like is, you know, how can I keep my brain as clear as possible? Oh, right. totally. So, yeah. it's, so it can be sharp and I can be focused and have the energy to do the things that I want to do for the day. Right. So and much of that comes back to, and you tapped on this earlier, sleep. Mm -hmm. Like sleep matters so much more than people realize. And it's, it's crazy. I I've always been such a sleeper my entire life. Like I could sleep 12, 15 hours, like forever. And then I'd wake up and still feel exhausted. And I, I never really understood why, but this past year specifically, like I've really focused in on, okay, how am I going to improve my sleep? What can I do? And I, I'd already done some things, you know, like trying to make the room a little darker, making, make sure it's more quiet and, and all of those normal things that you hear about. But um, I actually had spoke to someone, um, his name's Daryl Edwards. He's out of London. He does a lot of uh, primal play stuff. He's an awesome guy. And I sat and talked to him and uh, sleep was a huge thing for him. And he would tell me that the things that he did to help his sleep, he cut out alcohol and caffeine. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, that's kind of crazy, especially like in the primal world, that's kind of unheard of because everybody is all about their coffee, especially bulletproof coffee. Everyone's mm -hmm. drinking it. And then um, red wine is something that, you know, a lot of people will drink. And those were things that I drank. And I never thought that they would be affecting my sleep. And he told me some facts and some statistics, you know, and it all made sense. But again, it came back to that thing. Well, how is that going to work for me? So, um, this was back in February of this year and I'm like, okay, it's time to go paleo 2.0. Like I'm going to like step this up a notch. And, um, so I completely cut out alcohol and coffee entirely. And one morning I woke up and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is what it feels like to actually have a full night's sleep and, and actually allow your body to do everything that it's supposed to do while it's sleeping. So I haven't gone back. I, I think there was one day where I, I tried some coffee because I just really wanted to have this specific brand or flavor or whatever. And so I tried it and the next day I woke up and I felt like crap and I'm like, never again, like this is not worth it. So sleep is huge. Sleep is so huge. <laughs> Ooh, see, I do drink coffee and, and, and I like my, you know, special coffee places that I get go to. And when I go right. out of town, I'm always on the quest for a great cup of coffee. I yeah. might try this experiment because it would simplify my life not to yeah. have coffee, right? Totally. Because there is a, you know, like I have to go buy the beans on a certain day. There is this thing, but I, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it yeah. at some point in the next year. I will test this out. <laughs> I uh, mean, you have nothing to lose. And, um, I quit, my husband quit and my best friend, Liz, uh, she also quit. And it's funny that she, when she quit, she realized how much anxiety that like went away after she cut out coffee, like more than just sleep. There were other parts of her life that really changed when she cut it out. So I think it's worth trying. I, and I know that there's plenty of people that were like, yep, nope, but let me coffee. I'm never going to try it. Like, mm -hmm. and fair enough. That's, that's not my decision to make. That's, that's anyone can make their own decision about whether coffee is something they need or not. But for me, I'm telling you what, I sleep like a baby. And, um, you know, like I said, I had that conversation with Daryl in February of this year. And, um, I don't really weigh myself a lot. I kind of quit doing that because I don't really care. Like I, I know 
the energy that I have and how happy I am and just how comfortable I feel in my own skin. But um, I, I do have this scale that um, it's a withing scale that like it tracks your your weight, your body fat, your BMI, all that stuff. And it wirelessly sends this information to an app on your phone. And um, I used to use it all the time. I would weigh myself daily, sometimes more, like twice a day because <laughs> I was obsessed. Um, but I don't do that anymore. And but I still have the scale because it's a nice scale and why not? Um, so I actually weighed myself like last week for the first time in a really long time. I think I've only weighed myself like a handful of times this entire year. But I noticed that um, from when I really cut out caffeine and alcohol and have really focused on my sleep, this year I've lost 12 pounds. Like, wow. Yeah, without even, you know, trying to do anything. Like I've just really, really focused and really have taken it up another another notch and really kind of cut out like the, the paleo junk food and getting my sleep in order. And really also this past year, I've I've really gone into some deep soul searching stuff. So like even my stress is gone. I'm just such a happy person. And that 12 pounds just just goes to show. Wow. So um and one thing to note is that your book Paleo Girl just came out recently, right? So yeah. there, there is, there could have been that potential. You talked a lot. I talked to a lot of our th authors on the show. There's a lot of stress when a book is coming out right before it's coming out. So, yeah. and you know, there's a lot of busyness, but even so you were able to keep your priority as sleep. And then that unexpectedly resulted in weight loss. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it makes such a difference. And that's why I really always try to tell people pay attention to your sleep. They, they think that it doesn't matter. Like sleep and stress, that makes such a difference. It mm -hmm. really does. How much sleep do you get? Um, I set a bedtime for myself. Um, I try to go to bed between like 10 and 1030. Um, a lot of people I know that try to focus on their sleep like I do, they'll actually set an alarm on their phone to go off every night to remind them like, hey, it's time to go to bed. So uh, yeah, I'll go to bed at 10, 1030. And I get up about seven o'clock every morning. So whatever that is, <laughs> math. That would be, I, I guess that's like nine. Is that nine hours? Yeah. 10, 10 to six would be eight hours. So that'd be nine and a half hours. Yeah. Wow. And you sleep solid. Pretty solid. I have, um, two Boston Terriers that they, they do sleep with me. And I have been thinking about eventually kind of weeding them out because they're the kind of dogs that they'll come up and they'll, they'll scratch at you to get under the covers. And so uh -huh. like they will wake me up during the night and, you know, that obviously disrupts my sleep. Um, but I have not yet had the heart to kick them out. <laughs> well, okay. So what about electronics? Because there's a lot of stuff in the sleep world about, you know, electronics and that messes with our sleep. So what, what is your rule for that? Yeah. Um, electronics, they emit a light, which if there's any light in your room at all, like that it messes up your circadian rhythm. So it's really like important to be sure that you don't have any bright light or a bright alarm or bright anything that's in your room. Um, I've actually put tape on some clocks um, that are really bright, like even not in the bedroom, like in other rooms that the light emits into the bedroom because I can't close the door because the dogs like to come in and out. So I'll actually cover lights up with tape or I'll put like a sock in front of something like I really try to eliminate the light. Um, and then of course, then there's like the the frequency that they emit, which you have to be aware of that too. Um, I'm, I'm not so sure about all of that yet. I do have to keep my phone by me. And um, I think it's important to be able to have access. Like I always worry about if something were to happen to someone somewhere, like I want people to get a hold of me. So I do still have my phone by my, my nightstand, which I'm sure a lot of people will say, uh, 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 <laughs> and say that that's bad. But, um, I, you know, I've, I've done so many other things to help improve my sleep that I'm not going to beat myself up over like one little thing like that. No, I appreciate you sharing this because right there are these rules and stuff. And then people think, oh, if I don't do it perfectly, it's not going to work. And you're saying, and I love this question that you asked earlier is how is this going to work for me? Right. And right. That's kind of the key, isn't it? How is it going to work for you and your priorities and your lifestyle? Absolutely. And it's almost like the analogy of like when you people like if they're they're wanting to eat healthy and they're like, well, I can't do all these things, so I'm not going to do them at all. It's like saying like when you drop your iPhone and you crack the screen, do you keep smashing it into the ground? No, like 
you put the crack in it, but like you can still like take care of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's, it's don't just beat it into the ground. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Right. And I think that that's a real problem. And that's something that I even struggled with myself that too many times the idea of perfection gets in the way of the good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what, if, if you want to be hundred percent, that's great, but don't beat yourself up if you're only 80% or 40% or even 10%, because any of that is always going to be better than 0%. Mm, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So here's my thought because I usually go and uh, work out in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I either do big gram or I do something. So that 7am would be kind of tough for me. How, yeah. do you, how do you get all the things that you want to get done during the day in that, that? I mean, I could hear this as an argument for my listeners. Well, that's great for her, but I right. live a real life and I've got all these things <laughs> I've got to get done. No, I, I totally understand that. I actually am lucky enough that I do work from home, so I get to make my own schedule. And, you know, prior to working from home, I, I did work 40, 50 hours a week. And I know what it's like to like, you don't want to get up that early to work out. So you save it for later in the day. But by the time you get home, you're, you're just exhausted. And you're like, well, I, I can't work out today. Um, and like, I get that. And people don't have time to grocery shop or go to the farmer's market or this and that. And I think that really what it boils down to is what are your priorities? Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if this goes back to what we we're saying too, where like you don't have to be 100%, but figure out what's the most important to you and start there. It doesn't mean that you have to start a workout program, eat healthy, fix your sleep, manage your stress, do all of these things starting Monday, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So pick one thing, pick one thing that you think is going to be the most beneficial to you. And I would say, you know, maybe start with just food because once you start eating more healthy, whatever that means for you, you'll notice a shift. And when you're eating the right things for me, which is, you know, when I eat primal or paleo, the, the mental fog goes away. And when that fog goes away, it helps you even more to reassess what's important. And it helps you figure out how I'm going to start working out or how I'm going to manage my stress because you can actually think more clearly as opposed to just being bogged down, bogged down by all this processed junk food. You know, your, your brain actually will turn on once you start eating healthy. So start there and then just enjoy the process. Don't beat yourself up. Cause mm-hmm. Like honestly, when you beat yourself up, I mean, you might as well not be doing any of it because it, it, the way you feel about yourself is really kind of a number one priority. Because if you think that you can do it and you know that you're doing your best, like that gives you an extra boost. Well, yeah, because if you can say, hey, I'm taking care of myself, it's not going to be perfect, mm-hmm. but I'm taking care of myself versus, oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. You know, right. I, I don't do everything perfectly. I, I sleep with the phone next to my bed. And, <laughs> right. and then, it, then it becomes, well, forget it. Screw it. This is me, right? Well, right. if I can't starve myself, I'm just going to just eat three bowls of ice cream because I deserve it, right? Totally. That, that, you know, all or nothing kind of mentality instead of, okay, what works for me? And I love how you talk about just taking small steps. And for the listeners, I hope you guys hear, you know, you went primal a while ago and it wasn't until this February that you said, hey, I'm going to take a look now, you know, now that you had the food stuff down, right? Knowing what, realizing that there was this whole world of food that weren't part of your normal routine and you got that down, then it was like, hey, what else can I tweak? Right. And making that adjustment. So it wasn't all overwhelming because you're trying to fix everything at one time. Right. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I started with food myself. I actually didn't start working out for the longest time because it just felt too overwhelming. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, how am I supposed to manage all this new eating stuff and then also working out? Like what? I don't have time for that. Like I can't mentally, like I can't wrap my brain around that. So yeah, just starting out wherever you're comfortable and going to the next step when you're ready, not when someone else did, or if someone else is saying it's time for you to step it up, it's when you want to. So yeah, I mean, I've been this, I've been eating this way for three or four years now. And it's, yeah, since this February, I've really stepped it up, not because I feel pressure from anywhere, but because I've really just, I've been kind to myself and I've, I've taken the time to understand why I've made, you know, any bad choices or mistakes that I have in the past and like learning from those and saying, Hey, it's okay. Like here I am another day and I get to make a difference. 
So going back to when you changed your food nutrition, right? To mm-hmm. this whole foods, cutting out the process. What, what, what happened in your weight in that period of time? I did lose a lot of weight very quickly. Um, and then it kind of plateaued. Mostly, I think, because, you know, when I was eliminating all the grains and the processed food, it helped me lose that initial weight, like most people experience, because I had a lot of inflammation. Mm-hmm. And a primal or paleo diet is an anti-inflammatory diet. So I kind of got rid of, of some weight there, but I still hadn't fully embraced vegetables and like mm-hmm. all of that all of that stuff. I was still kind of eating, like I said, some of the, like the paleo junk food. And I think that that's when I kind of plateaued and I stayed that way for a while. And, um, it was kind of discouraging. Um, I did kind of yo-yo again. Um, and for me as at that point in time, yo-yoing meant I'm eating primal. Now I'm not, now I am, now I'm not. And Mm -hmm. so that was really damaging. Um, but again, it just goes back to, like I had to, I had to look at myself and, and see that there was a deeper issue that I hadn't dealt with. And, um, and I think mostly what that was, was still just like beating myself up and being mad that I couldn't be a hundred percent. And I would go from 100% to 0%, 100% to 0%. And I, I just never could embrace like just trying my best. And it took a lot of time to really realize that. And I think that, um, the moment that I kind of had that that aha moment was um, like, I just really sat there and I looked at myself and I thought about the way that I always speak to myself. And I had always been really hard on myself and said, man, like, I'm so overweight. I hate that my thighs rub together. I hate that I have hips. I hate that my arms are a little like saggy, flabby. Like, why can't I be like these other girls that I see them eat? pizza and junk food and they look like bikini models like why 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 like why can't I be like that why did I get stuck in this stupid body and I was just like holy crap like if I knew anyone in my life a friend or a family member that would speak to me that way and tell me that I'm fat tell me that I'm this or that I would never talk to them again like it would be no question I would eliminate them from my life So why on earth was I putting up with that kind of self chatter for myself? And like, it just really hit me at that moment. And I'm like, wow, like I have been fighting myself. No wonder I can't lose weight. No wonder I can't be happy. Like, look at what I'm doing. It's all self-sabotage. So I actually hugged myself, like no joke. I wrapped my arms around myself and I apologized and like I made amends with myself and realized like I'm really fortunate to be here. Like I have a ticket to be on on this planet inside of this body. And it's, it's the only one I get, at least this time around, it's the only one I get. So I really need to honor it and take care of it and give it what it needs instead of putting it down and telling it it's fat. Because if I'm telling myself that I'm fat and this and that, then that's what I'm going to be. But if I take the time to really encourage myself and empower myself, then the sky's the limit. Wow. Well said. Well said. It's so interesting (laughs) because it's counterproductive or it's counterintuitive because of all that programming that we've had about, oh, to lose weight, to look this way, right? We have to, it's scarce. We have to be, to deprive ourselves calorically. We have to beat ourselves up. We have to be disciplined. That's what's wrong with us. We're not disciplined enough. We're not, we're not trying hard enough at this. Right. Right. And what you're saying is, Hey, I just need to love myself. Totally. That makes such a difference, (laughs) such a difference. Well, it's sustainable, right? And that's why you can eat this way three to four years later is because it's sustainable that way. Yeah. And I, it's, I don't feel deprived. I know I'm doing it for a good reason. I'm taking care of myself and honestly, through this, I've been able to now branch out and help other people. I mean, people in my family, friends, I, I, everyone around me has lost hundreds and hundreds of pounds of weight. And it's amazing that my influence and, you know, my setting a good example of myself has helped so many other people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just phenomenal. So I have that extra bit of motivation too. So as we wrap up here, Leslie, um, what is the biggest, what is the lesson that took you the longest to take to, to, excuse me, what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn? 
I think it would have to be the self-love. I really think that that would have to be it because, you know, even after I did figure out that the primal lifestyle was going to be something that was good for me and I kind of got the eating somewhat under control, I still would default back to my old ways. And I think that when I really did look at myself and start to appreciate me and stop putting me down and, and loving who I am, that it made such a huge difference. And I think that's when I was able to take a step back, figure out what I was doing with myself and then go to the next level and, and be so successful. So yeah, it had to have started with, with that moment. And what would you say the world needs? More love, <laughs> self-love. Everyone needs to love each other. I mean, you know, Corinne, you are me, I am you. Like we are one. And I think that the more that we can love each other, we can love ourselves. Like this world's going to be a better place. And before we wrap this up, because I know you've got something new that's on, um, on your plate. What's next for you? I am actually going on a lengthy soul searching road trip. Um, my husband and I are leaving really soon and we're just going to drive all over this country and just figure out who we are and what we want. And I mean, he and I both were kind of in the same place mentally. We've really accepted ourselves. We've learned to love ourselves. We love each other more than we ever have. I mean, it's just a really beautiful thing. And we are lucky enough that we can kind of take a break and just go figure the rest of this out. And it's, don't get me wrong. It's not this luxurious. We're staying at these spas and doing all this crazy stuff. Like we are camping out. We're bringing our tent. We are staying with friends. We're sleeping in our Jeep. Um, but we're just, we're going to go do it. We're going to go see everything that we can see and stop at all the national parks and just be one with this planet, with the earth and nature and just, just be full of gratitude. Well, we look forward to hearing about that adventure. Maybe you'll come back and talk about that. Oh, what absolutely. You, what you learned. <laughs> and as we go, what are a couple of takeaways for the listeners today? Um, I think that everyone should be as open-minded as they can. Try a lot of different things. I mean, even if it's just picking up a new vegetable or fruit that you've never eaten before, try something new. It'll it'll open something up. Or one thing that I love to do, I, I like to go for walks. Walk past people and don't just ignore them. Look at everyone in the eye and smile at them. Say hi. That makes such a difference. And honestly, it'll change your day and it'll probably change their day too. Mm, that's good. And I have one more question for you. Sure. What was the food? What was a food that surprised you? Because you said, you know, you went to the farmer's market or the vegetable aisle and you mm -hmm. tried new foods. So what's been your biggest surprise in terms of food? <sighs> I think that, and this has been a favorite for a while, um, I always had a bad impression of Brussels sprouts, uh -huh. but honestly, Brussels sprouts are my jam. I will eat them all the time. They're so good. I just cut them up with some bacon, onions, and garlic. Delicious. They're so amazing. So how do you cook it? <laughs> um, you literally, you just chop, you cut the ends off the Brussels sprouts. I quarter them, um, cut bacon up into pieces, uh, get nitrate-free bacon, throw it into the skillet, start to cook the bacon. The grease will come out. That's when you throw in the Brussels sprouts. You can add any other veg if you want. You don't have to, but just cook it until it's slightly browned and there you go. It's amazing. I'll have to try that. And you don't even have to worry about any fats because the bacon has it. Right. It's okay. perfect. It's a perfect food. <laughs> All right. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for being a guest today on the show. Thanks for having me, Corinne. It's been fun. All right. So with the show, one of the things that I try to do is to bring you a lot of different people's stories. And in getting away from, it's not a blueprint, right? And that's why I like Leslie's message. So while she may be primal, you know, she's, it's not, I'm not saying you have to go do primal. This is her story. This is her experience. And what are the nuggets of insights that you can take from that and apply to your own life? You know, what resonates for you? And that's why I love her question of how is that going to work for me? Right? What did Leslie say? Or what did Corinne say? And how would that work for me in my life with my current circumstances? So maybe you can't sleep from 10 or 10.30 to 7 in the morning, right? That's not realistic for me. I do wake up earlier than that. So how do you make, you know, your well-being, your health, how do you make that a top priority given the circumstances in your life? What are some adjustments that you can make, right? So sometimes one of the things that I do is I try to really eliminate um, 
doing work in the evenings. Now that doesn't mean that's 100% perfect, right? There's sometimes that I have a deadline and it is a done deal. I am on that computer and I am working. But I work really hard at scheduling my space now as I've been learning about this more, about scheduling space, right? And having priorities and having boundaries, but about not working in the evenings because that can keep me wired and I'll work from two to three. I used to say in the morning or till two and three in the morning, I used to say, well, you know, I'm the most productive between midnight and three. So this is my best operating hours. Um, well, it's because I usually had a deadline that was pressing and, and I wasn't very organized with my time. I was still working really hard, but I was grinding away at stuff that didn't really necessarily need to take more time. But I had this internal belief, the more hours I logged behind it, the better the work would be. And what I've learned is that sometimes that's the case, but sometimes I was just spinning my wheels and then and using it as a way to justify how hard I worked, which would then mean that I was worthy, right? So paying attention to your life and how is it going to work with you? Obviously, if you're a listener and you have young children, right, just like Leslie's dogs kind of wake her up at night when my kids were young they would wake me up at night. So my sleep would get interfered then. So we all have different things and circumstances going on in our life. But what are things that you have control over? And how do you want to live your life? That's the other question I would ask yourself. When she came up with how is this going to work for me? My question for you is, how do you want to live your life? What's important to you? What are your priorities? And how are you currently living your life? And then looking at that, And looking at all those answers and noticing what's the space in between the idea and the reality, right? That's the thing that's important. And what are the steps that you could take maybe to get that idea and reality more overlaying each other? And like Leslie said, it doesn't have to happen all at once, right? What are small steps that you can do that you can say, hey, I did this and it can feel like you really accomplished it because we tend to beat ourselves up when we say, okay, I'm going to make this major change and have to go this way and has to be all perfect. And then we're like, oh, I can only make one out of a hundred changes. I'm a failure and this is not going to work. Instead of what's the smallest change that I can make and then accomplishing that. You know, I had guests on the show talk about being overwhelmed and getting things done. And it was like, forget the two lists, forget the schedule. Just every day figure what's that one important thing that needs to get done. And that's how you build success. When I interviewed Warren Buffett's biographer many years ago, I mean, his goal wasn't him to be a billionaire. It was, okay, what can I do? And they were these small steps and and they called it the snowball effect because that one snowflake led to the another snowflake to the another one, and then eventually it built a snowball. So those are important questions. How is it going to work for me? How do I want to live my life? What are my priorities? Right? And, and then asking yourself when it comes to food is, you know, what are foods that I like? What, maybe doing an experiment, you know, being that scientist in your life and saying, okay, I want to try this food and paying attention to how it feels, right? And letting go of the thought of, oh, well, this is quote healthy, so I should feel energized and instead saying, okay, this is how I feel or this is what I eat. And this is how I feel. I had a client recently realized that this lunch that she was eating for a long time, while she proclaimed it as healthy, she wasn't really tuning into how it was feeling in her body. And when she tuned in, she realized that the food that she was eating was making her feel tired. So she started making some tweaks to it and noticing that just some minor tweaks to it, she was having more energy instead of that afternoon slump right? That's a very different mindset than you're bad or you have to eat these foods or this is the only way, right? Black and white tendencies are not usually not sustainable. And then it goes back to how do you want to live your life? You know, what is the lifestyle that you want to have? What is the energy levels that you want to have? And for everybody, it's going to be different. Like for Leslie, you know, she wanted to have better skin complexion. For somebody else, they may say, you know what, that's not a priority. I like milk more than that. And getting clear about what are your boundaries, what's important to you, and what isn't. I mean, I mean, I remember years ago when the whole fat-free movement was about, and I was in college, and we had a nutritionist come and talk to our swim team, and basically she said that we could eat as much gummy bears as we wanted, we just couldn't eat chocolate because there was fat in there. 
And um, I remember thinking, I don't like gummy bears. I don't like licorice. I like chocolate. <laughs> and I really struggled with that. And then finally, after a while, I was like, well, screw that. I'm just going to eat the chocolate because I don't like licorice. I don't have one bit of problem not eating licorice. We were on a camping trip last weekend. Somebody had brought the licorice out. I looked at that, not even interested. It's not from deprivation. It's not from restriction. It is just not something that I like to even taste or eat, right? Chocolate's a bit of a different story. I do like chocolate, you know, and I like chocolate tastes really yummy. So being really clear about what are the things that you like and what are the things that you don't. And when you eat them, how do you feel? And these are all questions that I work with on my clients, getting that clarity, right? The other thing I want to talk about, and this can apply to food and this can apply anything to life, but it's this idea of when we make decisions, where is it rooted in, right? Are you rooted in a place of fear or in a place of scarcity? When you're rooted in that area, in that neighborhood, when you take action, it's going to feel more like deprivation or it's going to be more relentless energy that comes at it, right? So, but when you're rooted in a place of love or well-being, then you're going like Leslie and I were talking about where you're, hey, I want to take care of myself. How does my brain feel? How does my body feel? Right? So when she made that decision, and I'm not quite there yet with the coffee thing, but I will try that as an experiment. When she made that decision to say, hey, I'm going to make sleep a priority and I'm going to test it out. How do I feel after I don't sleep for, I mean, not don't sleep for a while. How do I feel after I don't have caffeine for a while and it's not in my system? Right? And it was a test. She, that's being in a place of rooted of love right? You're being a compassionate person. You don't really have the answers. You're being open-minded or as a previous guest, Carol Dwecka said, that's a growth mindset. And so testing it out and noticing where it's rooted in, that's, that is such an essential piece to this work that you do in creating your life. Anytime we're rooted in fear, it can trigger scarcity. It can trigger deprivation. It can trigger us into going to overdrive. So it can take one of our strengths and put it into excess right? And what we want to do is we, and that's why, you know, usually, for example, when you're tired, you can have a fight with your spouse or with your child or with a family member versus when you're well rested, right? There might be that small thing that they say when you're tired and it really just triggers you and you lose it versus if you were well rested and you were happy, you would just be like, oh, that was interesting, right? Or that was fascinating. What's going on with them? But when we're not taking care of ourselves, we get triggered more. So it's about going, how can I take care of myself? How can I be rooted in this place of well-being and then take action from there? Because that's going to be the action that actually serves me. That's going to be the action that I feel good about. Because a lot of times when we take that action, go, no, but I want what I want. You know, when I want it later, the action is a lot of regret and remorse. You know, that goes to that so-called quote, comfort food that a lot of people say, oh, this is comfort food. It's not really comfort if you're not feeling good about it at the end, right? If you're feeling lots of regret and remorse about it and you're beating yourself up. So maybe in that moment when you're putting it in your mouth and you're having the party in your mouth, you feel really good, but how long does it last? And when I ask my clients that, it's usually not that long. So thanks for listening today. Today's guest was Leslie Klinky, and her book is Paleo Girl. There'll be links to her website and to the articles that she mentioned on her interview page. Thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at howshereallydoesit.com. I do this show each week for you so you can now see the windows of possibilities in your own life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself if that is possible for them.
what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so. Long.